five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglash for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Yeah, I know everything's working today. Yesterday, only about half the channels worked. Go figure. But you know that's the fun of it all. We had a great time yesterday. I have to say, uh, Matthew did a super job. Uh, way more content than I expected. I mean, it's a free webinar, and yet he gave he gave so much. It was unbelievable. And uh, it's still available at WDMA. We're going to make you register or sign up uh, for a free subscriber status if we can get it working today. And uh, so I just thought, but right now, you don't even need to do that. You just go there, WDMA.org, go and get it. Here is a Cheerios ad from 1999, uh, and watch the baby. That's the kicker, which is always a good thing for commercials. Baby's first Christmas, 1999. You know how much Grandma wanted to be here for your first Christmas? She came a long way. You see, Grandma lives way down here. And you live way up there. Brian, your cousin, he's a little bit older than you. He lives Look, here in Chicago. And your Aunt Lisa, whom you haven't met yet, or lives her. here in Baltimore. Well, that would be your Uncle Ernie's so swimming pool or something. Baby. Oklahoma, I think. New York City. Way out in But no matter where Grandma lives, we'll always be together. Christmas. We know how much being together means okay, at the holidays. And Cheerios. A Cheerio, which I'm not sure the great baby would. But then, Cheerios is updating it. And so here we go. And this maybe is the same baby, because it's the same grandma. You're late. Merry Christmas to you too, Grandma. Merry Christmas, honey. You know, no matter where Grandma lives, we'll always be together for Christmas. Cheers to keeping traditions alive, wherever you are. Oh, and I bought a box for your cousin Brian in Chicago. Box for Hermie with the pools in Oklahoma. So you don't, you don't get it unless you get <laughs> the first one. So I had to get you over to the first one because, you know, otherwise you wouldn't get it. But now you do. And so I wanted to talk about junk food and teenagers because the UK did a study, a scathing study, that says that 86% of teens are exposed to junk food ads on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Can you imagine the pervasive accompaniment, which is an interesting word here, to digital life extends to the real world too, with TV, radio, print, and billboards all amplifying the un- Healthy message, fueling arguments for a proposed ban on fat foods that are high in fat, sugar, and salt. You mean like bacon? The UK is going to ban bacon ads? Oh my gosh, because, and the results were illuminating. The person wants us to know that they can use big words. 88% have seen some form of junk food special offer while 86% have seen that a fast food advert on social media, principally through platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, never mind Twitch, (laughs) it just goes on and on with these things. Uh, But apparently there's, um, there's some kind of plan that the UK government has for, for, for having cutting in half childhood obesity, obesity by 2030. 
And so they're seriously considering banning banning advertising of junk food. Now, what I thought was interesting, I just have to say, I thought it was interesting that only 88%. You know, when I was a kid, uh, and I went back and found the healthy food ads that we saw, like Jello ads, a lot of Jello ads. What is Jello? Jello is a gelatinized sugar water. Uh, it's like Kool-Aid in, a, in an edible form. And I'm sure that's really healthy. <laughs> um, but there were a lot of different ads, but they were so high, so low resolution, I went to the Cheerios ad instead. But, you, you know, I got to say, we we were, there were only four channels on TV. And they turned off at 11 or something. I, I remember the first time I knew that, I found out that they actually turned off the TV because there wasn't enough programming. And... Uh, you had three channels in public TV, which didn't have ads. And so I can go to an audience, you know, that's even fairly mixed. But if they're if they're my age and I can do cigarette commercials that haven't been on TV for 40 years and we can all complete the jingles. And and none of us were old enough even to smoke on those days. So the, the fact that only 88% claim to have seen the junk food ads is really a scathing indictment of, <laughs> of digital because we all love salty, fatty, uh, sugary foods. Okay, so let's get to something more sensible. And here is a an, uh, an actual article on direct mail statistics that you should know about before starting a new direct mail campaign. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I don't know if the author is even mentioned. Is the author mentioned? I don't see any author mentioned. So then I won't have to attack anybody. But it's in my frugal business, whatever that is. And uh, so I thought, you know, on my daily quest to find direct mail stuff, email had a 3.3 click-through rate in the first quarter of 2019, but direct mail had a response rate of 9% in 2008. Okay, now, I'm not going to claim that this word means the same as it did in every direct mail campaign I've ever done. But in general, when we talked about response rate, we meant places in order. Okay? Now, I have n- new email systems and I can see the click-through rate. I can see the click-through rate and I can also see the open rate, which is nice. I wish I had that in mail, but no, normally I don't. And But my understanding is, and I can also see the bounce rate on another piece of statistics. And right now, my click-through rate is, whatever it is, if it's 3%, but your bounce rate is, and bounce is only click something else on the site. Click one other link. So they got to whatever it was you were talking about, your landing page or your or your registration or whatever. And then they, and half of them, Google says, Google ad specs say 50% percent bounce rate. So this cut in half. So if we want to compare these two numbers, this is where I'm going, is first of all, you got a 1.5% real, you know, that they actually engage, engagement rate. Now, of that engagement rate, my I would I would guess, and what I've read is that you can get a similar response rate once they're on your page, 
and they're sticking and they're looking at something, you get a similar response rate, so 9%. So that would make it, instead of 1.5, we'll just make it 10%. We'll give them a benefit of the doubt. Well, instead of 1.5, you're at 0.15. Got it? Do you understand what happened? 0.15. So the email rate is 1%, is, is, is 10% of the response rate in direct mail. I think that would be an, a fair estimate. If you really wanted to compare these two. So it, so if, if, one, if 0.15 is the response rate of email, then direct mail is 100 times more effective, round numbers. It's not quite that, but it's something. It's about 70 times more effective, right? Because you have to get, you have to take it times 10 to get to 1.5%, and that's about seven times, six times that. Okay, so let's say we're only 60 times more effective. This is the trouble with comparing these statistics. You really have to know what you're talking about. So now let's go over and see what they have to say. For response rate, they said, you need to think about percentages. And I can tell you that 90% or more of people don't get percentages. And the other 20% are really smart. Get it? Don't do math on the fly. Anyway, <laughs> so if you got 10,000 responses, it could be fantastic. If you send out 20,000 pieces of mail, it's also probably not repeatable. It's probably a very small segment that got you that. In Cabela's, there was a 5%, there was a 5,000 segment at the top of their list of about 5 million at the time we were working with them. There were 5,000 people, companies, whatever, that would pull 5,000 orders. I used to say that you couldn't get more orders than, than you sent out you know information but it actually happened there was a really really small segment that pulled more than a hundred percent that was a real eye-opener that basically launched Cabela's business to business business right there because I because we started looking into that when we saw it their RFM scoring masked all that and just put it in with the top 10 percent of their customers but that top one percent of one percent pulled more than a hundred percent response rate now, on the other hand, if you mailed if you mailed a hundred thousand pieces to get ten thousand, eh, that's still that would still be a ten percent response. If you mailed a million pieces, it'd still be a one percent response. Not too bad, right? And you're probably not going to mail more than that anyway. So even even at ten million, it's not that terrible. I've run businesses successfully, profitably, and growing at a half a percent response with a $600 average order size. And that's why this alone is not the answer. That's not the question. The question is, what's your average order size? What's your gross margin percent? What's your cost of order processing? What's the overhead? So, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I, I'm, this, this, this article is already going downhill because it doesn't, knowing the response rate is, is actually probably the, the least knowable of all numbers but as I told Blockbuster if you can move that into context you can figure out that it's impossible <laughs> that what you need for a response rate is impossible okay there's and this is a good point there's a huge difference between a website visit and a sale okay so conversion rate now this this basically says that conversion rate is response rate so again 
every client is different every business is different you got to learn there what they mean by the terms but here was a great one I really love this one return on investment now in a financial world if you paid a hundred thousand dollars for a new machine in your in your manufacturing facility right and you could make let's say 10% more widgets because of that machine you could then take your expected margin per widget assuming they, that you can sell them all assuming you have excess demand and you could figure out the rate of return and time is important in this also so if that's the case let's put here because you can get this still get this at WDMA so time is important but this is completely off the rails because what it says is is that how much money you made for every dollar you spent is known as a return on investment yeah that's right they're right there now here's where it goes off the rails you subtract the revenue from the campaign subtracting revenue from campaign costs okay so let's say we generated a hundred thousand dollars but we spent twenty thousand dollars in advertising okay so you subtract that that's what they're saying subtract the campaign costs so only got eighty thousand dollars of net revenue after the advertising and then you divide by that and you say well we got a four-time return on investment so we spent twenty thousand we got eighty thousand uh, net revenue and there we go and I had some digital ad kids tell me with a straight face they'd spent a million dollars in advertising and they generated a million in sales and they said well but we're still at break-even and I said you know did it ever occur to you oh by the way that we have to pay something you know I, I held up with they, they sell little tubes of paint I said you know when we sell this for a dollar this pen we don't make pens most cases most companies don't make what they sell we just sell it we have to buy this from somebody that does make it and usually we have to buy it for about 50 cents okay so really if you spent twenty thousand dollars on getting a hundred thousand yeah yeah you'd have to take out the 20 so you're down to 80 but you'd also then have to take out 50 for that for that cost of goods so wait a minute okay so 50 out of a hundred so we're left with 50 minus 20 and you say okay well so we made 30 so we still got you know a 70% return on investment well wait 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 did did we take your salary out of that did we take corporate overhead out of that did we take inventory carrying costs out of that no you know well what's our average order size so let's say out of uh, let's say it was a hundred dollars okay so that means we got and we got a hundred thousand dollars so we got a thousand orders what if it costs us ten dollars an order okay thousand times ten is ten thousand dollars now we're down to and that may not be our total overhead right that may just be the cost of picking and packing and we might offer free shipping you see where the money goes out the out the door your return on investment has to take all those costs into account we have to take not revenue not not revenue but net profit that's the question you know so when I talk about a love sack 
mailing a catalog out for a buck, let's say. I don't remember. It was a little less than that. But, And I talk about them making a 900% return on investment. I'm talking about, I'm talking about, 900%. I'm talking about them making $9 after cost of goods is out, after order processing and overhead per order is out, after campaign costs are out. They still make $9. So for it's a, like a little box. You put a dollar bill into the box, out jumps nine more dollars. How many dollar bills should you put into there? And that's how I saved their mail program, which still is going on today, to my knowledge. And they grew, they grew from 50 million when we started with them to 100 million in three years, and then they went public. So now you can check those numbers, right? How many retail? And they had not been growing except by adding more stores, and they didn't add more stores. So it was a total revolution by mail. Okay. So I'm going to basically tell you that this will be this 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 article will be up on on the direct mail. On the on the WDMA site, if you're a subscriber, but <clears throat> this is why you need to find an expert. You need to find someone who actually knows what they're talking about, because your financial, your CFO will laugh at you if you give them these numbers. If you said, hey, you know, this is all accountable. We can do accounting with our with our direct mail program. They'll laugh. They'll laugh in your face. I would. This is terrible. This is maybe worse than the the crazy digital people that think that for every dollar they spend, they can generate a dollar in sales and that they're breaking even. It's not even close. This is why so many digital companies are not sustainable. This is why when companies junk their mail program and they go under and they don't even know why, it's because they just have no idea of the of the actual accounting principles that need to be applied to to all advertising to all business you know yeah amazon could tell their shareholders when they first started if we get to be the top of the pile then it's a new world and they were right to some extent but it doesn't work forever you know and everybody else that thought they could be amazon by spending more than they took in is gone just gone period right it doesn't work You've got to be sustainable. And if you look at the sustainable companies, they're companies like L.L. Bean, right? Companies like Land's End. They're companies like Hamaker Schlemmer that's been around since 1878 or something like that. Those companies know what they're doing. You need to work with people that work with those companies. I'm John Miglash. Merry Christmas. 